we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Totally Local Podcast. The Totally Local Podcast is all about Monmouth and Ocean County, local businesses, colorful characters, all the things that are going on. Uh, I'm so happy today to have um, a, a guest that brings love and light into the world through visual and audio wonderment. Uh, I have DJ Adam Worth with me. How's it going, man? Good. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm stoked, man. I, I wanted to do this for a while uh, and just never, never did. But here we are. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it. All right, cool, man. Um, so first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm super impressed with, uh, with what, you've, uh, what you've been doing during all this. Um, is it like, did you, did you start... I mean, if people don't know, Adam Worth is a is a DJ. It, it, you know, specifically around you know Asbury Park is where you kind of you got your start, right? Right. All right. Cool. Um, and you you do more than I would say the average the average DJ because not only are you you know playing music, a lot of DJs are like music selectors. You know, real talk. But you. You rock a party. You you play music, obviously, but you you've incorporated uh, visuals to it, and and another part of it is is your actual like turntable skills, which you know I for one I can I can mix mix house music with two you know vinyl records like that's kind of you know it's easy if you practice, but you're actually like you you do way more than that like you're you're ripping into things you're you're mixing between songs uh, rapidly. And you kind of have mixed, you've taken like what, what DJing was and then you've mixed it into not even what it is, but like you've taken this whole visual thing on, on top of it. Um, where, like, when did you start to, when did you feel like, I, you know, you wanted to DJ, you got like kind of the bug to start DJing? Well, uh, first of all, thank you for all those kind of words. For- <laughs> I, I love how you put it there. You make me sound really great, but <laughs> thank you for that. But um, pretty, well, I started DJing pretty much um, as a in radio um, at college. I went to Monmouth University and had a, a radio show there where I would play funk and soul records. Nice. And um, that sort of uh, led me to a gig at a bar called the Springdale Cafe in Long Branch. Cool. And now, yeah, and uh, a long closed bar, I think. But um, pretty much just uh, someone called and asked me if I would do what I was doing on the air at their bar. So I bought like a second turntable, and that's how I started DJing. And then um, I got interested in, in like the technical aspects of like turntablism and, and you know, battling uh, and like, you know, kind of the old school, like, um, you know, two turntables and a microphone, like culture and everything. So I... Uh, just started, uh, you know, practicing and, um, um, and then, you know, with the advent of like, you know, digital vinyl, you know, laptops and, and, but working with laptops and allowing you to control MP3s on turntables and sort of rejuvenated my DJing, uh, and allowed me to start incorporating videos and stuff years later, uh, which is called video mixing or like DJing technically. Um, so I, uh, started mixing videos, uh, just about five or six years ago, I guess. Um, I have a background like in film production. So, um, 
was sort of a good fit for me to sort of incorporate this sort of visual element. So now I do a lot of like, you know, music video mixing. And so I'm mixing music on the turntables, but there's, you know, technically I'm mixing the music video. So you see a visual element to my show, be it the music video of the song or just like a, another cool like visual of some kind that I like put together. So, um, uh, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I started and where I am. So when you, you know, you mentioned your, your video and media background, you've, you're award-winning video background, right? You've, you've, you've taken home, well, what did you take home? You took home an Emmy, a Grammy, something like that? Yeah, uh, I won uh, three New York Emmys uh, in uh, video journalism, cinematography, and editing, and I've been nominated like eight times. That's for- crazy, man. That's awesome. So, I mean, I find that if you look at kind of... Uh, DJs, you know, that are out there, um, it, it's it's rare to find a DJ where it's like, yeah, you know, my passions are like accounting and music. It's it, it's this weird combination where people love like artistic, like the video side of it or the graphic side of it, and then those same people kind of gravitate towards, you know, DJing as well. It seems to be kind of, I guess, an obvious mix or a, a complement to each other. Um, yeah, I mean, I just got lucky in that I, I was doing sort of a nine to five in like TV and, and video production and um, DJing like for fun. And, and eventually technology sort of enabled me to like kind of meld the two. So it was just kind of luck that I was doing what at first seemed like two totally unrelated sort of jobs. Uh, and then, you know, video mixing sort of uh, became accessible with, you know, the you know, faster computers and, and, and all that. And um, it just, like, allowed me to, like, uh, to sort of mix the two in a way. So it, I was just really just got lucky in that I was building separate skill sets that, you know, 20, 30 years later end up, you know, having a way to be combined, you know. So I just just really just completely lucky, you know. So your setup now, I remember seeing you at, oh, what was it? It was like one of the Indian summers, maybe the first, second one, third one. I don't know. Um, but who was I hanging out? I was hanging out with like Foggy Notion or somebody was there. And he's like, come check this out. And he like took me. You were playing like like up by Anchor's Bend, like on the top, uh, like where the where the bar is outside and everything. There's like, there's all those random rooms that are next to it and he took me in there and you had like the two turn t- tables set up and then the screen behind you um are you using um are you using like serato when you're mixing uh yeah i'm using serato and um another uh piece of software called mix emergency which basically it, it ties into serato and um unless you basically mix videos so instead of of putting on an mp3 file i can put on like a video MOV or MP4 file and sort of mix that um, just like you would mix records or music. So I can use the turntable to scratch the video. I can use the crossfader on the mixer to sort of cut in and out of the video. So the crossfader is, and the mixer is controlling the audio, but it's also controlling the video transitions. So is the, is it like when I see like you'll have like, you know, you'll have like eighties music videos and stuff for the song you're playing. Is that file, is it is it an MP3 synced to a video or is it the actual like video file? No, I'm actually putting on the video file in that case. Although there are times when maybe there is no music video or I don't have a music video for a song where um, other visuals will come on sort of automatically. You know, when you set the software up in a, in a certain way. So when there is no video, 
I will have other visuals come on, like movie clips that I put together or just animations or, you know, old VHS footage or, or whatever, maybe you can kind of use your imagination, but like, you know, so in some cases, um, it's a random video that's not synced coming on. But if you see the music video, then that is the actual video file that I'm sort of mixing and then playing. Do you, uh, you know, I... I've talked about this so many times, it's stupid, but I, I used to DJ, I, I consider myself retired, and I was talking about this in an interview recently um, where somebody was asking me, you know, you know, whatever, my background, and I just kind of fell out of love with it because, you know, and I mentioned this to them, is just, there's certain kind of DJs where you can rock a party, like people show up and you know, you see who's there, you catch a vibe, and you play to them. Whereas I was kind of, <laughs> I was kind of a snob, and I'd just be like, I want to, I'm going to play whatever I want, and you're pr probably not going to like it, so sorry. And like, you know, that was, you know, pretty much the the uh, the bell curve of my uh, of my DJ career. Um, but you have one of those talents. There's there's definitely other DJs I've seen um, where they kind of tap into the vibe of the crowd. Um, do you find that you have like like a set idea going into the night what you want to play, or do you just kind of catch what people are about that are out and then just kind of play off of that? Um, uh, it's definitely uh, there's no sort of easy answer to that. I mean, like <laughs> I've I've done a lot of extensive planning for gigs, um, maybe you know a couple times planned out every song and just showed up and just it all went out the window immediately where. You, you play the first five songs because you're into them that week or you listen to a lot, but then you realize that it's just not the vibe of the room and like you just end up completely improvising. So like, um, so planning ahead is a tricky thing. Like when you're doing a club or a bar or a place where they didn't come to see you and your tastes and you're just kind of, maybe you're just the background or, 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 you know, more of a generic kind of entertainment. Um, yeah. so like, like, you know, having, like, after years of doing it, like, having um, so many different, like, you know, uh, so much music and so much variety and, like, being able, like, having um, having planned for so many nights, you have to, eventually you have to plan for less and less because somewhere in my folders, there's a similar situation, like, you know, that I've done before, so I can, like, sort of pull from that. But, so, yeah, it's definitely, like, having a good idea, maybe like having like fresh music just in case, you know, showing up with like some level of preparation, like, yeah, is good. But, but like I said, like a lot of it is definitely like, um, feeling out the room and, and all that going out the window. People aren't reacting the way you want, but, uh, but you know, you can, you can base a little bit on the venue, you know, too. like, yeah, you know, you know, the venue, you know, maybe, you know, the management, you know, the, the vibe of the venues, going to be a little more, uh, you know, leaning towards one style or the other. Maybe you can get away a little more creatively in certain venues so you can sort of plan for that and have a little more fun. Other times it's more of a strict, you know, maybe they don't like certain genres in a venue. Maybe they encourage a certain vibe. It's like a loungy, it's like a hotel, it's like a dive bar, it's like a tiki bar, you know, like these places can kind of like guide you a little bit. But, um, you definitely have to be ready for any kind of random crowd that could be there for sure. What was it? What was it like when you started in that Long Branch bar? Like, what were you? The guy, uh, the guy that called the owner or whatever called you up and said, "Come here and do a night." Was was he expecting you to do like funk and soul and stuff like that? Yeah, and you know, back then I was playing strict only records. This was like two two thousand 
three or something. So, you know, all I had was records and all I really had was, was like funk and soul records. Cause that was what I was passionate about. And, um, so that was definitely my first experience of people coming up and being like, do you have like, I you know whatever like popular rap song of the time. And I'm like, I didn't buy that record. Like you had to buy the record. Yeah. yeah. And I'm kind of like, uh, I don't have anywhere near anything like that. And I actually remember showing up and I put on, um, a Gil Scott Heron like funk song called The Bottle uh-huh. which is about um, uh, this is about like an alcoholic like <laughs> kid uh, uh, alcoholic dad written from the perspective of the kid uh-huh. so it's like it's like this like old like kind of funk song where the kid's complaining about his drunken dad and I never like thought about the connection but I'm starting to hear the music while I'm standing in this bar with a bunch of old men and I'm like oh. and then the, sure enough the manager comes up to me he's like you can't play this and it's like <laughs> So that was one of my like first experiences of like, okay, definitely need to read the crowd and have a sense of the venue before I put a song on. Oh like, yeah. I did no. that. I, I had a gig in, in like in Neptune city. This was years and years and years ago. And I put on Eddie money's give me some water, which I, I don't know. I, I love that song. And like the bartender came over and, and she was like, all the people sitting at the bar, like it was a big bar. They were just like, everyone has asked to bring you a glass of water. I was like, okay, I get it. That's, that's funny. I'm, I'm not going to play. You got to really think about what you're doing, you know, in that sense, because, you know, you got to read the room or whatever. Some people might not always, uh, might not always love it. Um, so from, from that bar in, in Long Branch, uh, when did you kind of, I would imagine that maybe Asbury Lanes was the first place you DJed in Asbury Park or, or no? Um, in Asbury Park, let me think the first place I DJed. Um, you know, that's that's a good question. I, I mean, for a while I, w- I was working in like every venue in town back when there were a couple less venues and like, um, I'm not sure I remember the first one in Asbury, but I remember doing like the Wonder Bar and I remember doing like um, Watermark and I remember doing like um, um Oh my God. Uh, oh, uh, Harry's Roadhouse, I think, which was uh, now closed. Um, it's where Teak is. No, uh-huh. no, sorry. Ta- Taka. Uh-huh. Taka is now. Um, so there was a few that closed down um, that, I, that I was doing, uh, that doing for a, a while. Unfortunately, I was just, I was grinding away when there were small crowds and few bars. So that sort of positioned me in a good place when, you know, people started showing up in town, you know, larger crowds. Yeah. People definitely, definitely started showing up. I mean, I think too, one of the, one of the great things about, about your setup and I've talked to, uh, Neil foggy notion about this. Cause he has like, he's just all vinyl is when I've done vinyl, vinyl sets for some reason, like having the equipment there, uh, it's like a, a big barrier <laughs> between you and the audience and they don't, they, they, I think nowadays kind of respect it more and they kind of realize that you're not going to have, you know, the newest friggin' whatever, whatever the kids are listening to. They're going to be like, oh, we're here to, you know, listen to what he has to say, which is, which is kind of, I don't know, kind of nice. I always got like super sweaty and shaky when I was, I started out on, on turntables and like, I would just get super nervous and, and like get all shaky about like just making sure the mix was good and all this stuff. Um, so it is definitely, there's a lot going on. You're not just sitting there hitting a button, you know, uh, there's a whole different kind of aspect to it, which, which obviously, you know, I respect that. Um, 
as far as you starting doing these streaming, you know, did did you do did you do streaming sets before all this pandemic stuff happened, or was this kind of what kicked it off? Uh, well, I had been thinking about it for a while, and um, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Matt Lyons, had been encouraging me for a while because I, I do this video mixing and I have you know camera equipment from my like job as like a camera guy and everything, so I. I was kind of well positioned equipment wise to do like live streaming with videos. And, you know, I, I felt like it was a good medium for, for the way that I DJed. Um, but I didn't actually get around to it until, um, until the whole, like, the, the pandemic and everything kicked off. So like I, I sort of started right away. Um, once I was, you know, there were no more real DJ gigs available, Yeah, but, um, it had been something I was like, always thought would be cool and have been getting a lot of thought to before that just because I have a visual element and I have like, you know, cameras and this like all this gear. So, um, and a green screen and all that stuff. So like, so I had been wanting to, the, you know, coronavirus was kind of the motivation I think I needed to <laughs> get going with that, you know? Yeah. A lot of people have just been, I mean, myself included, it's made it a lot easier to do, you know, the podcast, one of the things that I always had to deal with when doing this is just, you know, getting people in the same room is super difficult and everyone has their own lives. So now I could just be like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, you're stuck at home. OK, great. And this kind of setup, although, you know, in some cases it's 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 kind of like, you know, it's nice to be in a room with somebody and talking to them. But this definitely, uh, you know, made it a lot easier for me to kind of schedule or kind of put this all together the way that I have it have it now I just happen to have kind of like what you're saying I just happen to have the equipment and I had this colorful brick wall and everything kind of came together um did you when you started streaming did you kind of run into any kind of technical difficulties that you had to work out along the way um well uh I stream on Twitch and I think that um the one thing that myself and a lot of DJs uh struggle with is copyright laws and um you know on facebook and instagram most notably you can't really play yeah any kind of recognizable music without the algorithms and bots of copyright protection automatically taking you down immediately so i first started on facebook and the stream ended i think in like under like five minutes basically they just cut you off they didn't even like they just cut it all cut it off and like a lot of DJs are experiencing that and, and, you know, you'll see people, DJs trying to play more obscure remixes or alternate versions or, 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 or using sort of, you know, uh, less like just recording from their phone or less higher quality audio that the bots can't pick up on. So uh-huh. people try it every which way to get around that. But in the end, like it's an algorithm that's going to learn. And, so you if, you, if you do it through Twitch, they don't, they don't care. Uh, they don't, they don't flag your live stream and take it down. They, they will, you have, you know, the recorded videos, uh, you know, the video on demand, they call it, mm-hmm. which is your old live stream and, and they will get muted. You know, the parts that are copyrighted will get muted. And, um, but the live stream itself won't get, won't get taken down. That's why a lot of DJs are, are gravitating towards it. And it's kind of, uh, really, uh, becoming a big, um, destination for DJs and, I actually just started today that um, Twitch poached the old one of the program manager or someone from Spotify oh, wow. to like start working for Twitch, which says that they're probably like going to start focusing more on music and stuff because they've been the major uh, 
sort of platform for gaming up till now. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know. It's been it's funny because like if you. I just went through the whole process of putting my music uh, like out there, distributed to Spotify and U- YouTube and all these places, and you'd think that they would have it set up to where if you're playing the music, that's a good thing, and that they would give the royalties or credit or whatever you need to do. The the you know they'd let you play it, and then they'd make sure the people got paid as opposed to just cutting it off. It's so stupid. Yeah, it's a really broken uh, system that really deserves us some more attention because back you know, when I was on radio, they would send you promotional music. They were encouraging you to play it. And then somewhere along the line, post-Napster era, that just got sort of flipped on its head. And and there are there is some kind of system in place because bigger DJs like you know Jazzy Jeff and uh, you know Adidas who hosts in, DJs on their Instagram, they have they are not getting flagged or taken down. So there is some kind of system in place for for bigger names to be able to circumvent all of these uh, copyright rules, but there's definitely, you know, but it's, and yes, you're right. They could monetize or they could have a link to the song to buy it. Yeah. Because their, their argument is, is that they're, you know, I'm uploading something and the person's not going to listen on Spotify. Or they're not going to buy the iTunes MP3 because they can listen to my stream, but they're not going to go to my stream to hear one song and scroll through a two hour stream yeah. to find one song and be talking over it, upload it anyway. So like, it's just kind of a broken system. And then, you know, there's something to be said for collage laws as well, which are being ignored, remix laws and, you know, creative reuse of things and promotional use and all these sort of uh, established principles, you know, of creativity are, are sort of being ignored. And, you know, <clears throat> just for the sake of labels and the recording industry monetizing all of these uh, videos, even on YouTube, you know, like, if you're a, a podcaster or a live streamer on YouTube and one five second clip of a recorded copyrighted song appears in your in your video, even if someone just holds up a, a, a boombox to your mic for a second, you know, the recording industry will flag the whole video. And at some point they even figured out that it's better if they don't take it down and instead they monetize it themselves. So they will then monetize your entire video, put ads on it, and 100% of the money will go <clears throat> to the label, to the recording industry. And none of it will go to the person who created the actual content. So ridiculous. But, which is just an, one example of how the whole system is, is just sort of flawed. And not to mention all these out-of-work DJs who, who can't, you know, appeal to their audience or do a live stream for five or ten people who, you know, whatever, without being, like, taken down automatically by a massive conglomerate that no one can really fight against. But I've been... A, uh, you know, trying to be an advocate for, for this argument, but you know, I, I, I don't know. Hopefully, this will help. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely like I don't know. It's a definitely a silly system. I really miss, not that I lived through it, but like from reading, you know, the history of DJing and stuff. You know, you go to the beginning, and it's like the DJ was just like, "Oh, this record's cool. I'm gonna play it." To where now it's kind of just, it's funny to listen to like, say, you know, just as a reference, like say like a Hot 97, you know, they're, they're just playing, like they have it all set up. It's just like a giant playlist and they're just, they're just playing it. They don't even have to be in a studio. They don't have to be anywhere. Like you don't really need anyone there to do that. You know, back in the day, you'd have somebody picking songs, you know, be, become like kind of the taste selectors and then you'd go to see them and be like, you know, I want to hear what this guy's playing because he has good taste. 
you know I can go on and on about rants. That's really what kind of had, that's when I had my meltdown. I was like, I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you know, and that's, and that's like, you know, what's sort of being taken away from, from especially, you know, and you're hearing more DJs complain about this now that they can't do it. You know, they can't work in a bar or in a club or anywhere because of everything that's going on. So there's definitely an argument for, for that to be made. And, um, you know, you're right. People do just want to hear a DJ's interpretation or, or just like someone else's, you know, you know, someone who might consider their favorite DJ as an arbiter of sort of good taste. And, and, you know, in the bar, you could experience that in, in, in a club or, or in a venue, but, but, you know, now Twitch seems to be the only place left where you can kind of do that somewhat legally, you know, which is a shame, you know, yeah, seriously. I mean, for so so since you started doing this, what's what's been the response as far as like you know have people given you any feedback? Like, how, how are people liking what you're doing so far? Yeah, it's actually been amazing and, and a lot more than I would have expected. I even put together like a little um, reaction video of, of people's sort of posting in their uh, Instagram stories and then posting on social media of them dancing in their house or reacting oh, that's cool. to the video. Um, while they're watching this people will, you know, I did like, I do a lot of themes, you know, streams, so I'll do like eighties and like nineties and I'll do seventies like and yacht rock and all kinds of different like, uh, themes. So people will dress up and they'll send me like videos of themselves, like That's awesome. dancing or, or they'll be in a zoom, you know, uh, call with other friends watching the stream. And, um, you know, I've had like, you know, friends, you know, little, uh, kids, you know, watching the stream and, and, the one thing about it is that you can, especially on Twitch, where you can, and I think streaming in general is, uh, it's not a video like a YouTube video where I think where the medium shines and why it's getting attention is because it's designed to be sort of interactive. And I think that's what it offers beyond uh, like YouTube. We're just uploading a DJ mix or something like that where it's live and you can interact with this person in, re in real time. And I will, you know, respond to people's, you know, chat messages take a lot of requests, like take a lot of feedback from people in the, um, in, in the message box. And I feel like, it, you know, it kind of makes you feel like you're, uh, you're part of the show and you totally are. And I think that's what it sort of offers beyond, um, beyond just uploaded video. And, and I think that's why a lot of people are finding it interesting, especially in a time like this where, you know, you can have a connection with people. And, um, I've had people like from all over the world in Australia and Amsterdam and, uh, making a lot of new friends, but also, a lot of local people who would come and see me DJ locally who are just, it just feels like a little bit of a, you know, semblance of, of normalcy coming back a little bit just to sit, you know, separately, you know, sit social distance, you know, with a few familiar people watching a familiar DJ, like play like familiar songs or whatever kind of makes you feel like less like things are sort of turned on their head a little bit, you know? So what do you, um, what do you think it's going to, I mean, post all this craziness that's going on, do you think that this is going to, like, what you're doing now is somehow going to be merged with what was done before? Like, when you go out and play live, do you see any kind of aspect of streaming like you're doing now, like, out at a bar? I mean, because I've had such awesome, like, and quick growth on Twitch, and, um, I, I definitely see it as something I would like to continue and being able to stream from a bar that I'm working at would 
certainly make it uh, easier for me to sort of continue on Twitch while while also actually earning a living. So like, so that would be uh, great. And I mean, it definitely will have changed everything. I, I feel like you know for a lot of reasons. Like first of all, because DJs. Uh, we're probably among the first people to lose work and all this, and we'll probably be among the last people to go back to work because mm-hmm. even when they open restaurants and bars, there's probably going to be social distancing requirements. Like the last thing anyone is going to want is a packed dance floor for yeah. I, don't, I don't even know how long. So like, so you know, adapting to the new normal is um, I, I think is definitely you know necessary. And like even when people are back, like I said, like I don't know when DJs are coming back, like. That is, you know, everything else is going to happen and, and be established as being okay before anyone is having like a dance party. Yeah, I mean, this might be a good opportunity for me as a DJ because I was really good at clearing the dance floor. So maybe I could change my name to DJ Social Distancing and, you know, get a following that way. Just nobody on the dance floor. Um, you know, a lot of DJs gravitate towards streaming because I know what you're saying when you say, you know, you want us to play, you know, the music that you love. And that's, I've definitely done a lot of gigs and, and, and struggled with that as a DJ, fighting that battle of what do I love and what do I enjoy playing versus like what I know this crowd wants to hear. Yeah. Sort of, they want to hear the same music that I'm kind of getting tired of. But I have new music or, or old classics that I want to explore, but I know it's not best. And I think DJs struggle with that. You know, when you're a big time DJ selling tickets to a show at a big venue, then people go and they want to hear what you want, or whatever you want to play. But when you're just working at a local bar or a club, you kind of need to consider the crowd and everything. So there's definitely, I think, you know, if you're not like a, an event, you know, DJ, or if you came into it because you love music and it, wanted to come in from a creative way. I think a lot of DJs struggle with that. And that's where streaming, I think, shines because you can go on there, you can play like old soul, like slow songs. You can play like, do like a jazz set. You know, you can have any kind of creative freedom that you want and you don't really have to answer to any crowd or whatever. So I feel like that's, you know, what makes it a great medium for DJs. And a lot of the DJs that I look up to who, you know, have streams, like they're playing, you kind of see what their real taste is when they're not, worried about keeping the dance floor filled they're playing their records that they have like at home they're playing the music that they really love and, like if you're a dj like yourself who, who kind of get into it you know more as a selector to play like the music that you think was awesome then you know that's then i think it's a great you know medium for you and you know i think it's the reason why it won't it'll still be around to some degree after social distancing is not so much of an issue what are uh, you mentioned like DJs that that you've you've been listening to? Like, what are some of the DJs that you think are doing doing pretty pretty good with the streaming stuff right now? Um, let me think. Well, uh, I, I I'm a big fan of like Scratch Bastard, uh, who is um, you know good like really highly skilled technical turntablist, um, but also like a um, uh, but you know also a big fan of like funk and soul. So uh, seeing like what he's, what records he, but he does like a Sunday morning show with his wife, where his wife like pulls records off their shelves, gives them to him. He like scratches the song on and like in a sick, like technical way. That's cool. And then it's just like some slow, like soul, like Sunday morning jam or whatever. And he's got like his kid running around in the background. Like those are the kind of things that I think is just like quality entertainment. And Questlove, who, who's, who's getting a lot of attention for his stream is like, you know, he's a uh, super knowledgeable, like, you know, music history guy. And he will, you know, talk about 
you know, stories behind the production of the song and just like, you know, uh, a lot of like anecdotes behind music and, and just like, you know, the background. And he, so he's like playing records that he loves, not worrying about, you know, filling a dance floor or pleasing the crowd. He's putting on records he loves and they're just sort of talking to him like you would sit around like in your living room playing records and like he's even got people like his friends behind him like sort of listening but he has like a huge like knowledge of music history so he does a stream on twitch and instagram which is definitely uh worth checking out and um you know and then there's a lot of video djs like myself where you know this new medium of streaming like i think is starting to get more people interested in in video mixing Mm -hmm. which is always kind of like a obscure niche of DJing really so it started to get a little more attention to which is awesome because of this medium and um you know and then even being able to see like guys like De- Jazzy Jeff who I've always admired like who, who you know he's still playing like party rock like dance floor music but so maybe he's kind of, he kind of seems like he's doing the show that he does live but I've never seen live so it's just like you know it's cool to just be able to check out these shows you know that I maybe never had the chance to go to or like maybe they're based on the West Coast and they do, you know, DJs who, who, who live out there. And so you're just getting it, being able to just check out guys who you like, maybe you've never, you know, gotten the chance to see. And, um, and, and uh, but, and then, you know, it's kind of like a, a masterclass in some ways for a DJ like myself to be able to see all these people so easily. Oh yeah. Um, definitely. I mean, it, it's cool. Like I, I, I would love that. I go to shows and I would just kind of, go right up to the DJ, like hopefully on the side or something and just kind of watch what they were doing just to, I would imagine it's, you know, from, from my guitarist friends, they would, they would go to shows or watch, you know, YouTube videos of their favorite guitarists. And you'd look at like, you know, what, what the guy was actually doing technically. Um, and it kind of, you know, some people would say it kind of demystifies it in a way, but on the other hand, it's like, educating people on you know it's it's not it's it takes a lot of practice and work but it's not some kind of weird magic you could you could figure it out and it's usually not as complicated sometimes as you kind of think it is it's just like you know it's just a one way of kind of learning which is great um, yeah especially in the live stream where there's kind of unpolished and raw and you know mistakes included and, and technical difficulties included so like you know, as opposed to listening to someone's, you know, highly produced like mixtape or like, you know, or, or highly produced like YouTube video of them DJing, like, you know, it's the real show that you would get in a live situation, you know, um, and, and sort of the, the, the responding to the people in the chat room and everything in, in real time. So it's, it's like, yeah, it's definitely like this and the same with musicians, you know, playing and um, sort of that unpolished sort of natural way in their own environment. It's like a whole new sort of uh, perspective on, on live music like of all kinds I think what uh, you, you've you got a couple shows you've got one on uh, Thursday you're doing a Prince tribute at 8pm that's right on my uh, Twitch channel uh, um, which is um, if uh, you do a search on Twitch for Adam Worth A-T-O-M Worth and uh, I do theme shows like I had said this Thursday at 8pm we're doing a Twitch um, a Prince theme which is all you know, rare Prince music videos. It's all, you know, music videos of Prince and obscure music videos that he put out uh, and, you know, live performances of his. So it's kind of different than a regular DJ set as, as it's sort of video-based. So it's it's all like the music video performances uh, and, and, and live shows. And then um, I do a few shows a week, Monday, Saturday, and Thursday uh, for the time being. And on Saturday, we're doing a, 
Quentin Tarantino themed show, which is going to be all music from Tarantino films and inspired by Tarantino films, like soundtrack music. And um, all visuals will be all the clips from his films sort of playing on the green screen behind me. So it'll be uh, like a Quarantino theme night. And, uh, I see and, uh, you there. <laughs> on uh, Monday, I think we're going to do uh, all hair bands, 80s, glam rock, oh, cool. metal hair bands, which it's all music videos too. So it's kind of like you get the full experience of like hair bands and everything. And, you know, with people interacting in the chat box and making requests on all occasions. So it's, it's kind of like a whole like fun event that's beyond just sitting and watching a DJ play, you know, you can, you can have, you can affect the playlist yourself, you know, with your requests and everything. And that's cool. I mean, mentioning all that, obviously, you know, the DJs, you're the kind of DJ that has a broad range of taste, which, you know, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Like, I like everything crazy stuff to country. You know, some people are like, oh, I hate country music. And I'm like, dude, that's like ridiculous. There's so much country music out there. You know, you might not like this kind, but there's also, you know, these, these other people out there. I was like, you don't like Willie Nelson? What's wrong with you? So, like, you know, it, it's good to hear that there's such a, a wide swath of, of stuff that you're kind of covering. Um, and, and the fact that you're going to be digging into kind of obscure, you know, prints. I, I, you know, I wouldn't even know, like, like the videos. I wouldn't even know, like, obscure. I know he had a lot of stuff out there. And when he was going by, like, the symbol, like, when I was younger, I didn't, I didn't get it. Because you get this media representation of what he was doing which was oh he's crazy and being a jerk but what he was really doing was kind of bucking against the system wanting to release music but it wasn't a lot of it wasn't radio you know playable because of you know the the recording industry was not was not happy with him but he has so much he has so much out there you know even now like so many different versions so much stuff that it's it's cool that you're going to be kind of tackling that you know yeah i had no idea really that he had so many videos actually but i mean i was able to find like 150 like videos many of which wow. are from just obscure like songs that you know uh, a lot of people haven't heard before a lot of them are, are from live shows but apparently he was very um diligent about recording live shows and about releasing a, a video with every single. So a lot of the videos are singles that just never sort of made it, you know, as like a hit. And, um, you know, but, you know, a lot of live performances and, you know, I mean, and there's also like, there's that VH1, uh, famous VH1 performance from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when he did uh, While My Guitar Generally Needs, yeah. kind of famous guitar solo. So there's like a lot of just really cool appearances, uh, TV appearances that he did. And there's just like a whole, uh, you know, a whole world to sort of call from. And I think that's, you know, it's also a different take on it is, is, is the fact that there has to be a video performance of it, not just a song. Because a lot of the songs we, we know and, you know, you'll recognize the songs, but you, in many cases, you might not have ever seen the video or knew there was a recording of him playing the song on video, you know. Did you find a? Uh, did you find his Super Bowl performance? Because I've wanted to get like a whole, his, his cover of uh, Foo Fighters, Best of You, like, it's so cool. I've seen it before. I'm pretty sure I saw the halftime show when it was like live or whatever. But you can't really find the whole like just like a boom like here it is. You know, like especially on YouTube, they take that stuff down. You know, that's a great question. No, I, I actually didn't think of that performance. I should definitely. Uh, oh, it's so dope. Into that, yeah, yeah. You might. I could see where that would be something that they wouldn't want out there, though. Yeah. Between Prince and the way he sort of protected his intellectual property so tightly and then that and then the Super Bowl and the way they probably do the same thing I'm sure it might be hard to find especially because 
you know, I need for what I'm doing, I need like that high quality audio yeah. version of it too. So it makes it much harder to sort of find all that stuff, you know. So what do you what's what do you like all right, this is all kind of, you know, imagine us teleported into the future where this is, you know, quasi behind us, people are going out, like we're where where do you see yourself like where would be your ideal like local place to to have a gig and and have a friggin like party that everyone could go out like where would be your spot to go uh well i i guess i would probably go with you know some of the places that i've been um djing at you know because i've been lucky in that you know i love a lot of the venues that i work at or i didn't work at before you know everywhere, everywhere closed down so like mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I do gigs all summer at the Asbury Hotel. I do theme nights at, at the Asbury Lanes. I do um, I do a yacht rock night at uh, the Asbury Park Yacht Club. I work at uh, Little Buddy. And, um, you know, um, so w- where will it all start for me? I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, but I know that the Yacht Club and Pete Mantis, the uh, the the guy who books uh, the acts at the Yacht Club, he's been booking me since I was, since my Springdale Cafe days. For, wow. For 20 years shouts to Pete Mantis. Yeah, well, he's been a supporter of me since I was a young man that um, that would play inappropriate songs about drunkenness at the bar. <laughs> so, like, so I, I I feel an obligation to him because he's been such a devout supporter of me for so long. And, um, but so, and, you know, I love playing Yacht Rock. It's kind of a guilty pleasure. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to coming back there because I have a lot of friends who show up there, too. But um, I also love doing Little Buddy. It's kind of a tiki bar vibe. It's a small bar where you can kind of get weird about the music. But, you know, I miss everybody, too, with the Asbury Hotel, you know, and the kind of, like, um, uh, you know, that sort of, like, lounge. On the roof? Vibe. Yeah, like, um, you know, just, like, that outdoor sort of, you know, um, so, sort of, like, fun vibe a highly you know diverse group of people of all different age ranges who would go there from from all over the east coast you know like um so everywhere has its its sort of its advantages and and they're all sort of glowing with nostalgia for me at this point you know like yeah being totally out of it for a while yeah i mean uh, you know playing outside playing like beach bar or playing anywhere like our anchors band like where you're outside even though i've played there and been like you know maybe the crowds weren't as big as they could have been but like i just remember being there and being like this is awesome like i, I don't, i'm looking at the ocean and i'm playing music i love and you're outside and like you know people are having fun like that's that's you know that's definitely something that i'm yeah. You know, I'm missing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I had a, I, like, just about every other Saturday booked at the Anchors Band, too. And um, so hopefully that will be returning this summer. And yeah, like you said, working right on the boardwalk, um, you know, uh, you know, going home with the sandy equipment cases and like, <laughs> you know, like fighting off that like salt water, uh, you know, rubbing down your, your gear after the show and everything. It's like, so, um, yeah, definitely. That's that's a, that's a really fun fun vibe too. A lot of kind of you know cooler, less touristy crowd over there. And um, so yeah, and I mean, but who knows? You know when uh, you know. Hopefully, yeah. the summer is not just canceled. So. Yeah, yeah. Hope hopefully. I mean, you know, people have mentioned uh, you know on Facebook and stuff. They're like, all right, who's going to start doing speakeasies? And I'm like, that'd be great some basement somewhere like in some seedy part of town that nobody's going to and you you know give a password and you go downstairs it's a crazy party but uh you know yeah i actually I'm, i you know we have that mutual friend i saw that post too but i, I think the headline that would 
probably pop up a week later is like four people test positive at this <laughs> party, you know, like. <laughs> we'll get like we'll get those contactless uh temperature guns you just the, the bouncer will have like in his holster and he'll just be scanning people as they walk in you know yeah you know you can't drink with a mask on which i think is the key problem there you know? I, th- I think you're on to something we can invent like a mask with a straw attached you know we're, we're, we're getting into industries that haven't even been thought of yet you know man there's there's a lot there's a lot on the horizon and- i think maybe like the beer helmet would probably be the only like <laughs> that'd be perfect the bartender doesn't even have to touch you. He just has to like put the cans on your helmet and then you can take care of yourself. That's, that's great, man. No, who knew they would come back. So it was so big. Yeah. We got a, we got a brainstorm. That sounds great. Um, all right, man. Well, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate uh, what you're doing and your passion for the music and the innovative way that you've hooked it all up and the fact that you've kind of transferred it from what you were doing in a, in a venue or a bar and you've kind of taken it, evolved it, and then taken that and then put it online. I think that that's, I mean, I think that's great. And I think that it's wonderful that you could like interact with people too, obviously bringing joy and happiness to people when they're, you know, stuck at home dealing with this, you know, BS that's going on. Um, you know, thanks for thanks for spending this time uh, to talk to me about it, and uh, I, I will put up all the information on on my Facebooks and whatnot uh, about your upcoming shows, especially the the Prince tribute that's happening tomorrow, eight p.m. on Twitch. Uh, Adam Worth, A T O M W O R T H on Twitch. So go check that out. Um, anything else, man? Or uh, I think I think we covered everything. Yeah, no, it's just this is a lot of fun talking about it. So uh, you know, it's, it's 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 nice to you know to have some something fresh going on and being able to occupy myself with with something like this. And you know, it's I'm just glad that you know we found a way to sort of stay you know connected through all this. So just thanks a lot for having me on. It's been cool, man. Well, uh, once again, guys, thanks thanks to Adam Worth for being on here. Uh, thank you everybody for listening and viewing and doing all that stuff please uh, check out the totally underscore local underscore uh, totally underscore local underscore podcast I think that's what it's called on Instagram or uh, you know you're, you're here on Facebook that's where I'm at and it'll be on YouTube and everywhere else you could think of Adam Ward thanks a lot again and uh, stay safe and keep having fun and having other people have fun thank you <laughs>